badasses. Welcome back to the Badass Ladies Club. I'm Jessica. I am here with my bestie, Laurie. What's up, y'all? And we just want to extend some gratitude and say thank you so much for listening, downloading, subscribing, liking, sharing on all the social media platforms. Um, you guys, rating and reviewing us helps us so incredibly much. And we love it when you do that. That helps us climb the charts. So keep it up. Um, this week, we have an interesting um, topic to talk about. But before I get into introducing that, I want Laurie to talk about our badass of the week. You guys, who I love so much, by the way. I mean, she's hard not to love. Uh, our badass of the week this week is the one and only Aki Adams. Aki. Aki. Um, one thing I always have to say about Aki as soon as I bring her up is how much I love that she calls people poodles. <laughs> like, it's like a term of endearment for her, yeah. you know? She's like, oh, poodles. Like, it's just... <laughs> quintessential Aki awesomeness. But Aki is a, she's been a badass since the day I met her. I've probably worked with her for off and on for 15 or 16 years. She's what we call a salon development partner. She works mm -hmm. for our Veda distributor, Neil Corporation. Her job on a really surface level is just to go in and help people with their businesses as it relates to the products that we manufacture and use. She supports education events and just really helps people with growth and development in the salon industry such a surface level description of what Aki actually does. She's one of those oh people God, yeah. that like brings energy into a room the second that she enters it. She is first of all, drop dead gorgeous. Oh, I mean, she like, enters a room and you do a double take of like, who is, who that, is gorgeous that beautiful that just walked in. woman who just walked through the door? Um, you know what I love about Aki is that actually of the salons that I've worked in, she's never been my salon development partner, right. but you bet that I know her. Yeah. And every time I see her, she's like, Jessica. And like, like, I mean, I, it's not like we're besties or anything, but it doesn't matter. She's so friendly and wonderful. And it's like, we know about each other's kids and like yeah. that she's never even been the SDP for a location that I've worked in doesn't matter. She's so connected and is so into connection. Aki oozes love and acceptance and genuine validation in every interaction she has. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if she knows you, she doesn't know you. You've known her for years. You just met her yesterday. Like you feel embraced and loved by Aki when you're with her. And that is a, a big reason why we're calling her out as badass of the week. Yeah. But Aki also has like this authentic sparkle and fashion vibe going on about her. Like she always is on, she does things that are like classically fashion and beautiful, but mm -hmm. they're a little bit quirky and they're a little bit cool. And she just has a really great sense about her. And because of that, it's made her this staple in the Dallas fashion, you know, like scene. Oh, yeah. She's always at the hot events. She's definitely like a MC kind of lady yeah, up like there with the microphone. COVID, yeah. she was like with Gary Walden. They're like a They're team everywhere, you of know? Um, doing fashion charity events. And she's yes. just like the doer. Like she makes shit happen. No doubt. She also has two adorable sons that, you know, Are like growing up to be men. Yeah. We've obviously watched them grow up, you know, yeah. social media style. And you can't forget her sweet little pug donut. And I'm a pug lady. I know you are. Um, um, Aki I, is amazing. So yeah. Aki Adams, get on this podcast. We can't wait to uh, send you a badass box and see what's going on in your world, girl. Yes. So you guys, today's conversation is, um, a little different than what we're used to. I, I hope that this turns out to be a positive conversation, but I feel like when people hear what this is about, they're going to be like, oh, so we're going to talk about mean girl culture. Well, mean girl culture. And it's also, what is it like? How many years has it been since the movie Mean Girls actually came out? I'll tell you, Mean Girls came out in 2004. Okay, there you go. So it's had like this uh, renaissance, you know, is mm -hmm. to speak in the last year or so. A lot of people that have never even seen Mean Girls have watched it recently because it's gotten a little bit of a... One, because it's timeless. Yes. And it's been like, it doesn't matter how old you are. We've all experienced Mean Girls. Yes. And... Um, but Mean Girl culture, I think in respect to like this episode anyway, 
it is very interesting how girls have this dynamic sometimes with a mean girl approach. Um, And the more that we started learning about the whys of mean girl culture, it just made it something that we wanted to dive into deeper. Yes. Um, Because like you said, we've all experienced it and it's been there. So I think if, what is a mean girl? Let's start there. If you've never seen the movie, if you don't know, you know, vibes around mean girl, like how would you define a mean girl? I think that the mean girl is kind of like the queen bee, um, fake, disingenuous, um, will shove anyone out of her way to get to the top kind of person, but also like doing things out of malicious intent. Well, and like crawling up other people's corpses to get to where you're going, you know, like that mean girls have no challenge slitting your throat so they can get ahead, you know, and that it is, um, more about competition than it is about, um, we all rise together, which I think mm-hmm. is so much of what. Right. And know. that's, I, I guess that's what I meant. Like when I was talking about like, Oh, I hope people don't think this is a negative thing because usually on our podcast, like we're the badass ladies club. Right. We are inclusive. We are for all women and genders to work together and to rise up together. But I feel like this one's going to be like, well, like, this is what there's a reason why we created the badass ladies club. And some of that was in opposition of mean girl culture because when you've experienced mean girl culture at several different stages in your lifetime and you get to be a certain age you want to do something to push back at that yes um so it is kind of the antithesis of what we represent but that makes it even more interesting to me to want to understand the why behind it um so we've talked a little bit about what a mean girl is let's talk about why we have mean girls. Like how did a mean girl get to be that way in the first place? Yeah. So I read this really interesting article, um, on the psychology today website when I was researching this topic and basically what I took away from it, especially having a daughter. And it was a light bulb moment for me because I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) Is that we teach our daughters to be emotionally expressive except when it comes to anger, right? That anger isn't an okay thing. It's not polite. It's not polite. And you're being a brat and I don't want to hear it and shut up. I don't want to hear it. You know, that's like how we raise our kids. Not nice to say that. Yeah. Um, but that, okay. So we teach them to be emotional, express all the emotions child, except for anger. Not that one. I don't like that one. And that, As children, we learn early on, like the risk of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when girls get older, let's say, um, and they feel a risk of a relationship, like with one of their girlfriends that, um, we don't teach our daughters open and assertive conversation techniques to, approach, you know, and well, because if you are angry, then that anger needs to go somewhere. And if all we ever teach you is that it's not polite and shove it, then that's going to manifest in one way or the other. Yeah, you and know? so it manifests in, um, secrecy mm-hmm. or in shame. talking behind, you know, someone's back or shame, right. like you just said, or, you know what I mean? So there's, totally a ton of ways that this can manifest. Well, and but it's different with boys, I think. Cause like when boys are angry, a lot of times they teach go them in to- the backyard, beat the shit out of each other yeah. and or hit, hit know. a baseball, yeah. go for, you know, work out, go do, or go. Like, I just think that for men, sometimes you're given the tools to express your anger because it makes you masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, And that for girls, there is this, like, if you express too much anger, then people are going to judge you for your behavior, you know, and you don't want that. You want people to think you're nice. You want people to think you're polite. Mm -hmm. So from such a young age, you're taught to like push aside the way you really feel. And it's more important what people think about you than how you feel. So side note on this. Um, I was just talking to you the other day about how one of my clients, Janine, Janine, if you're listening to this, you gave me a huge light bulb moment. Mind blown. Um, 
So my client Janine was talking to me about our gratitude episode. And whenever my clients tell me that they listen to the podcast, it makes my day. (laughs) Um, So Janine was like, I have some commentary on your gratitude episode. And I said, okay, I want to hear it. And she said, you know, because playing catch up here, if you didn't listen to the gratitude episode, we were like, why can't we just, you know, accept a compliment, a compliment or, and yeah. grace and say thank you and all these things. Um, go listen to it if you haven't. So um, she said, I think the reason or I think where that stems from, where that all starts is when we're little and your grandma, your aunt Sally, your, you know, whoever gives you this horrendous sweater or last season's Barbie or a toy that you already have that you're bored to death with. And your mom just says, smile and say thank you. And that you're like, thanks. I love it. And then you toss it and you never use it. You never wear it. You never play with it, whatever. Um, so we are taught from a super early age to not be genuine and to just fake it. It's okay to fake, just fake it. And so, yeah, she told me this story of a friend of hers who has two little boys and she bought these little boys, this like backyard toy that they could like get outside and like play with this game or something. And, um, this six-year-old little boy was like, we already have that. And the, you know, the mom was like, Oh my God, you know? And Janine was like, no, this is like the most refreshing thing that I've heard. This is an easy fix. Mm -hmm. Here's the gift receipt. Go get yourself something that you're really going to enjoy. And she said it just wasn't lost on her that a little girl probably wouldn't say that or express that, yeah. that because it's not polite mm-hmm. and you better fake it and you better tell Janine that you love it. And it doesn't matter if you like it or play with it, tell her you love it. And so we're taught to like fake it and lie from early on. Yeah. And that it's more important how it makes other people feel than you being honest, you know, right. Like, other people's feelings yeah. are way more important mm-hmm. than how you feel about this situation. It, it is, which it, I, I have to say is a balancing act. I don't want to raise Adelaide as an asshole to be like, I don't like that, you know, but I also want her to have open and assertive conversation. Absolutely. And is, does it make her an asshole if she's honest about how she feels? I mean, I don't think so. It depends on who you're talking to, I guess. But, you know, like for me, I think that that is um, that until I was probably in my 30s, maybe closer to my 40s, that I felt like it was okay for me to genuinely express how I felt, regardless of how it was going to make you feel. Mm -hmm. And that that is kind of, I will say, like the way that I was raised, you don't do that. You know, like if the way you feel is going to make somebody else feel bad. Maybe you should keep it to yourself. If you don't have anything nice nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, like some of those narratives perpetuate this, deny it. You know what my dad, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I don't remember. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself here, but you know what my dad taught me early on? This is a lesson from Bob. Okay. Bob wisdom. (laughs) Bob wisdom. Um, my dad told me when I was, I don't know, I was probably in high school. He said, Jessica, if you can't call your best friend a bitch, are you best friends in the first place? Oh my God. I worship your dad's wisdom. <laughs> like he's totally right. And you know, I think about that and I'm like, okay, so maybe I wouldn't put it so bluntly, but I do think that there's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah. And it's taken me till my thirties to really embrace that. I, when I was a teenager, I was like, oh my God, dad, no, Never. you know, but, um, <laughs> I was like, man, that's actually some really good wisdom and for a teenage girl. Your dad is way beyond his time because now bitch is like a term of endearment. Like right? back then it wasn't, you know, it was actually still kind of derogatory. So, um, so yeah, socialization of young girls and the way that uh, we're taught to express emotions, express anger or not has a lot to do with the internalization of then turning that inside anger on someone else, you know, mm-hmm. like it channels in a totally different method. Um, so as opposed to learning skills, which I do not envy any parent trying to teach their children the skills of effective and direct communication, you know, like, I feel like that's hard enough for adults. I can't imagine trying to explain that to a five-year-old, a 15-year-old, you know, like that, that's got to be really difficult. But I also wonder if that's just because we haven't been until recent years, given the tools for how to talk to kids about that, or that, 
you're supposed to be uncomfortable, you know, like it's, I still have a hard time expressing that stuff as a grown ass woman, you know, like, so. Well, yeah. Like when tensions are high, you know, between you and a friend, I mean, it's, I just turned 34 and I'm just now feeling comfortable with being like, I need to take a moment, step back, like, you know, just give me a minute because things are tense or I'm frustrated or, you know, whereas shit, two, three years ago, I would have been, I would have just suffered through it, you know, it's okay to take the time. Yeah. You deserve it. (laughs) So the one thing that I read when you were talking about the psychology today article was I had never heard the term relational aggression before, Mm -hmm. but it is, I think the Achilles heel to this whole mean girls culture is that relational aggression is the act of hurting other people by manipulating or harming their relationships. It's really effective. So if I want to hurt you, I don't have to come and say something directly to you. It's more effective if I try and attack your relationships with other people by talking about you, which is where we get into the rumor mill, the gossip, the false narratives that you really go around the person you're having trouble with and you attack the relationships that they have with others because that is how you get what you want out of that Mm -hmm. situation. So relational aggression is, I mean, sure, when we're talking about classic mean girl culture, you're talking about junior high, high school, you know, like younger girls. But this is something that translates into adult women everywhere. Everywhere in the workplace. Friendship um, circles. Friendships, yeah. Even, you know, like relationships at every level. Relational aggression is something that is so painful when other people are trying to paint the picture of how somebody that you love, respect, have Mm -hmm. any relationship with views you. Um, And, but it's, what's so crazy about it is how well it works. Yeah. And that's the thing in this article where they just talk about how, when people who are in this culture understand how well it works, they want to keep doing it because it's getting them the payoff that they want, you know, like it's pushing you out of the circle and bringing the people that you love and care about their opinions of you into this circle. So let's talk a little bit about relational aggression because it's, it was a, like I said, something I had never heard of before and had never had a uh, term attached to gossip, you know, and to the rumor mill. So yeah, it's a biggie. That is a big one because I don't know. I feel like it is kind of common sense to, you know, um, because we aren't taught open and assertive conversational, um, techniques, yeah, it's easier to just go to almost anyone else and be like, can you believe the shit like, or just to completely fabricate something and make it up, you know? And, um, or to make an assumption about something and then create a rumor around that, you know, like you have this assumption. So you're like, and it's like that game of telephone, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know, and you may be saying something out of like, oh, well, maybe this happened or I wonder if this happened. And then that person will go to another person and state it as fact. Right. Okay. Like, you know what? So-and-so told me like, like yeah, like I heard mm-hmm. through the grapevine that this and this happened. And then like, by the time it gets around, you're like, how the fuck did that happen? You know, but no, um, I don't have nine toes on my left foot, right? but okay. <laughs> yeah, but, like, okay. If that's what you think, that's what cool. the rumor is. Um, that, um, that the rumor and the gossip become currency in those circles, you know, like, so how do I get into the circle of mean girls where they accept me and they know that I'm on their team? I talk smack and shit about other girls that they don't like. And that gives me leverage and currency with this circle, you know? So mean girl culture feeds off of one another. So then, and this is something that, you know, in talking about gossip in general, which I feel like maybe spun off of the four agreements a little bit when I very first read that, you know, cause it does talk a lot about what you speak about other people mm-hmm. and that the things being that impeccable. you perpetuate, you know, with being impeccable with your word, why does it feel good to gossip? Like, what is it about that, that we hook onto and we're like, Mm, it feels, it feels good. so good to talk <laughs> shit about somebody that I don't really like right now. Like, what? because it's so know, interesting. I don't know what that is. Is that sometimes we gossip about people that we don't detest, you know, like that it may even be somebody who's like a quote unquote friend to you, you know? You know, when you and I were prepping for this episode and we were talking the other day, 
Um, for anyone listening, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I don't know who all listens to this. Maybe you've had nothing but great experiences with me, or maybe you've had a bad experience. I mean, I hope not. Like, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to sit here and point the finger at every other woman in the world and be like, yeah. mean girl. Yeah. I've been the mean girl. Totally. Um, I'll be the first to say it. I've been the mean girl. I've, you know, um, out of hurt and frustration, usually will go behind someone's back and just let it out and be like, that bitch, you know, like, right. oh my God. Um, but I've come to the conclusion that it's because I'm hurt yeah. and hurt people hurt people. Totally. Amen. Science seal delivered hurt people, hurt people. And so whenever I'm on the other end of it and I'm the quote unquote victim in a mean girl situation, um, it's taken me to the age of 34 to be like, you know, instead of immediately being like, <gasps> how dare they? That bitch. It'll, I mean, believe me, I still say it, but that maybe quickly after that bitch, <laughs> I say, you know, like, I wonder what's going on. Like, did something happen that right. I don't know about? Are they okay? Is, you know, like, especially when it comes from people who I've cared about. I think that this is where you are maybe a little bit better person than I am. <laughs> um, because I don't immediately go to, I wonder why and what kind of pain, like on and a cerebral being level. naive and just hoping and wishing that they're really not that terrible. Well, and that may be part of it too. I know that the reason that happens is because people are dealing with their own shit. Like on a surface level, cerebrally, I know that. Um, but I do think it's a little bit of a defense mechanism from so many years of being on the receiving end of the mean girl thing where I'll just... And we've talked about this before. I'll just cut you off. I have no Amen. use for that shit in my life. If it's easier for you to talk about things about me with others in a way that doesn't support our relationship anymore. Bye. I have no space in my life for that kind of business. So, and, but that's a adult Laurie mm -hmm. way of dealing with things. I will say in younger years, twenties and younger, um, I, I wanted so badly to have genuine friends, to be in the cool girl ring, to be popular. You know, like all of those things were really important to me that I would keep trying. I would let people say things and treat me like garbage, you know, mm -hmm. and it was okay because I figured that's how you got in. Like, cause sometimes the girls in the mean girl circle only got there after they were beaten by the mean girls for so long that they took it for long enough that then you become part of the club. And you right. know, that so... I could see it as an opportunity that maybe I could be the cool girl at a certain point. And I just think that at one day I got old enough where I was like, you know what? Y'all bitches ain't that cool in the first place anyway. You know, like Don't if anything, it. you guys can stay with each other and talk all the shit that you want to about me. I got better things to do. And right. So, and I don't know if that's the right way to deal with it. Maybe it's not, um, but it's what has, it, it opens up a lot of energy and space in my heart and my life to invest it in things that make me feel good. Cause like I said, as soon as I can see that you're more invested in your perception of who I am, instead of really trying to connect with me, I, I got no room. Yeah. And so I, but that is my trauma, you know, like that's my residual having to deal with that over and over and over again. I say it a lot. I don't envy kids and teenagers and young 20 somethings with social media situation where that's concerned. Nope. Like I never had that to contend with. It was hard enough, you know, like just in the high school college age rumor mill situation, but the, uh, the social media aspect of it, I'm sure takes it to a totally different level. Yeah. Um, don't envy that at all. It is kind of interesting though. If we pedal back to like, what is it about gossip that makes it feel so good? You know, that when, and you'll see this, I think this is really more on Twitter than any other platform, you know, but when somebody does get jumped on on Twitter and everybody comes down on them and there is this like really bully culture that goes on there, 
why people are so intrigued by it and want to watch it and see more of it. You know, like it's like watching the lion attack the gazelle on National Geographic or looking at the car accident as you drive by it. You know, like there's just this thing about the carnage of annihilating somebody. You know what I think it is? And this is something that's very new to me that I honestly, so I could be talking out of my ass here. I really haven't like um, researched this a whole lot, but I think there's something to be said for ancestral trauma. Okay. And that, you know, way, 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 way back, like, I don't know, maybe possibly even caveman days, but I'm thinking more like Coliseum days. Like our ancestors were probably in a Coliseum as spectators watching human beings getting ripped to shreds by lions for sport. Um, Entertainment. It was entertainment. And that there's something like in our DNA, in our blood, that it's the train wreck that you cannot look away from. Um, So again, y'all, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying it's something very new to me that I heard on another podcast that I was like, that's an interesting... Well, because it hits that dopamine drip on your brain, you know, where you're like, oh my God, I gotta see more, you know? it's. um, I also think that it's relevant in like political violence. Mm Mm-hmm. Or any type of violence on TV, you know, like that if it's really not on a, uh, not on a TV show or in a fictional aspect, but when like violent things are actually happening and you see it on the news or you see it on your social media feed or whatever, that we get addicted to that drama of it. I remember the first time I was really aware that that was addictive was when Princess Diana died Mm. and, you know, her, the car accident, you know, the mangled car, the, um, the audio stuff, all of the photographers, the actual corner where she crashed her freaking children, you know, like I laid on the couch for days, called in sick to work, didn't go to school. You did not. I did. And I, (laughs) I, I called at work and told them I had a death in the family. I'm serious. Like I was obsessed with watching the carnage. And I remember at the end of like the 72 hours when I came out of my hole and my mom was like, you need to get off the freaking couch, you know, (laughs) that I realized that I was like, it was like a drug, you know, I, and after I got away from it, I was like, I can't believe I just burned through almost three days watching all of this crap on cable news, you know, but that was early on in the 24 hour news cycle. And so many things have happened since then that gets us, you know, like hooked to that, that I do wonder sometimes how much the pain and the trauma addiction that we have to watching it has something to do with creating pain and trauma for other people and feeling like that feels good for some reason. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Dude, our brains are so weird. (laughs) Um, so yeah. Oh, you know, there was something else that I would, oh. Can I get all feminist on you for a second? Yes. So not that everything's about the patriarchy, but we've said that a lot here recently. I feel like, (laughs) is there something to be said for like, if we pit women against each other and they don't work well together and they're in constant competition, then they become more dependent on men for guidance, for support, for relationship structures. Yes, yes, yes. That your relationship with men is so much more important and valuable to you than the relationships that you have with women because women are shallow and don't, you know, like I have really strong, really intense relationships with the women in my life that I love, Mm -hmm. but I did not come by that easily, you know, and it took a lot of retraining for me to value friendship at the same level that I value my husband's relationship that I value with my family relationships, you know, like I've taken a lot of criticism for putting friendships on the same level as both of those things. Um, and that's okay because I know how much richer my life is because of that. But I do wonder how much training we've got, uh, in a gender sense anyway, you know? Yeah. And you know, for one, totally on the same page. Yes. I think that the patriarchy pits women against each other, you know, so that we turn to men so that they can save us so that, you know, um, and if women, you know, don't spend time together, then we're at home, you know, cooking and cleaning and do whatever like like bullshit and pearls vacuuming the house (laughs) or whatever, you know, but, um, 
I, I also wonder, and this didn't really occur to me until you were just talking, but you and I are both in similar like family situations where we are the oldest, we are girls of younger brothers, but Mm -hmm. we don't have sisters. Right. And so I feel like because I don't have a sister, no hate against our brothers. I love our brothers. They're the best. Um, But as I've gotten older and I've had to cultivate female relationships, I love choosing my sisters, you know, and that there's enough room at the table for anybody who wants to be my sister. And, um, because I never had a sister. Yeah. I totally feel that. And I remember being envious of girls that had sisters, you know, I was envious of my cousins and friends, like people who had sisters that I was like, I want a sister. I also <laughs> equally think I was glad to be the only girl sometimes too, you know, like it was definitely beneficial right. sometimes. Being I'm not only totally girl, complaining. You're super precious, you know, yeah. like when you're the only girl. So I was into that, but no, I definitely think, and I hadn't thought about that, but that's totally true. We are both oldest girls and no sisters, which yeah. makes that sisterhood relationship really um, special, special and important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As you, uh, as you get a little bit older for sure. Um, Yeah. so let's go back to hurt people hurt people yeah because i i have this weird thing i manifest things physically a lot Mm -hmm. i know when i uh am about to get blindsided not always by a mean girl sometimes it's a mean guy i guess but you know like i have this pain that hits me right underneath my shoulder blade it's like a knife in my back. I can feel it. I feel it you all know, day long. You definitely can see that shit coming yeah. because there have been situations where you're like, Jessica, I had this dream of a snake. Snakes in the grass, man. Snakes all in the, the grass. Time. And it's a reoccurring. So dream. I feel like something's happening. And then what happens no more than a few weeks later? The snake jumps up and bites me, man. Like, I know. And I'm like, holy shit, Laurie, like you, you're it's something in your subconscious knows that it's coming. And I don't know why, but it's so interesting that, and I, I do know why, because I can see the signs that I'm not willing to pay attention to. So if I know that somebody that I love and trust or someone that's been important to me is about to uh, do me wrong, or whatever, you know, like if something's about to happen, I know because I've been watching it come and I love them or I care about them. And so I'm not willing to believe so that we're that's sweeping about to happen. It under the rug. Yeah, so we're sweeping, fine. we're it's sweeping, fine. it's fine. <laughs> Doesn't change the fact that there's the dagger under my shoulder blade that I feel, you know, like all day long walking around or that there's the snakes in my dreams that are jumping up out of the grass to bite me. So when those things happen, I'm always more angry with myself Mm -hmm. for not recognizing it or not being willing to deal with it before it backfires in my face like that. And so it really has a lot less to do with me being mad at whoever they are, you know, like it's so much more like, yeah, Laura, you should have seen that. Yeah. And you should have taken action sooner, you know, or you should have sheltered yourself better, or you should have had the difficult conversation, whatever that happens to be. But that, and I know I do this sometimes when you and I talk, you know, like when we are hurt, I'm always quick to make excuses for other people and why they behave that way. Like I, I don't need to wonder. I know why, because they're hurt. Yeah. And so it's easier and that, um, that those things have a lot less to do with me. But I do think if we're talking about mean girls specifically, it hurts so much more when it's coming from one of your sisters. Yeah. You know, like that there is, um, I feel like that about creating a sisterhood so much that it's sacred. Yeah. And when I love you and I want to let you into this sacred space with me and I have that trust and then it's broken that that is more devastating because I was the fool for letting you in in the first place. So it always comes back to me. And I don't know what to do with that besides just keep loving people and giving them an opportunity. And that if it does backfire on me, I just got to get better at not taking it personally, you know, knowing that everybody's going through their own stuff and that that is, you know, if we're going to come around full circle and try and break this mean girl culture, where's the balance 
between, like I said, my actions just become, I'll just cut your ass off because I got no room for you in my life yeah. anymore. Yeah. Not that I don't love and understand the fact that you're in pain and hurting and that's why this happened in the first place, you right. know? And I'm sure, like you said, I've been the mean girl plenty of times and how that goes both ways. Mm-hmm. So I may also equally be upset because I can see my own behaviors in what you've done, you know? And yeah. It, when it's a mirror held up ooh. to you and like, you've been wronged by someone and you're like, oh, I've done that. I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. Um, it's really hard to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's hard to own your um, shit. It's really hard to own your shit. Yeah. Cause like when you see it happening, you're like, I know this is happening because I've been that girl. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to be the mean girl. And I know because I've been the mean girl and you know, I mean, the older we get, I, I don't have the time or energy for that anymore, but mean girls still exist. Fascinating. And, um, it's, it's, it's a difficult path to navigate, honestly, because you think that that's something that would be left behind when you're younger yeah. and that, you know, we're all adults here. Well, sometimes it's not that easy. And, um, especially when you're an adult and you have so much at stake. Yeah. You know who I just thought about, um, who, cause uh, as you were talking, I'm like, okay, so let's say we were thrown into a mean girl culture tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we had the opportunity, like you're with somebody, they, you know, a lot of mean girl techniques are like gaslighting you, you know, like setting you up for a reaction. So then they can turn it back around on you kind of gig, you know, who's really good at cutting that shit off at the knees and, and seeing through all of the mean girl facade directly to the insecurity and is great at calling it out. Who? Felicia Jordan. Yes. And I honestly can't even remember the circumstance that happened, but I've watched her do it several times where like, she runs a beauty school. She knows girl. I know. I guess that's probably part of it is that she's, she's worked in cosmetology expert. for so long. Yeah. And dealt with the little ones that are struggling with that. But and that yeah. probably is where I've seen it so often, but that she does have this knack for going directly to the nuts and bolts of what's going on. And she takes all the fuel out of a mean girl culture, but it is truly because Felicia gives zero fucks like she knows who she is she knows what she's there to do she knows what she's not there to do mm-hmm. and she's not about to let you make her life harder to play this game with you you know and it is Ooh, you know what would be fun what if we get felicia up here and we have cocktails and there has to be a way for her to smoke a cigarette though we will do an outside we'll podcast do an outdoor podcast and get felicia drunk and let's <laughs> talk mean girl culture yeah. i like it she would love that, but done. Um, yeah, she is really good at that. She's excellent at yeah. it. Um, and, but I also think that it's so much because she is so grounded in who Felicia is, you know, like that Felicia is, um, unapologetically her, you know, mm-hmm. and that that is not everybody's bag and that is totally okay. You know, well, and you know, we had a conversation with Felicia, um, over the summer where she's remember when she was like, I'm just really naive and I think everyone likes me. Yes. And I think that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, Oh, you don't like me. Huh? Okay. Well, Whatever. I'm just going to yeah, keep right. on, you know, like, um, it was, it was really sweet to like, see this vulnerable side of her that was like almost kind of bubbly and like in her own little world. And, you know, but it's also it's- because she decided to think that everybody loves her, you know, like the reason that she feels that way is because that's what her internal narrative is. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, magic. Okay. Magic. Antithesis okay. to mean girls is Felicia. You're, Felicia. You're <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, um, something that we talked about in preparing for this episode was when mean girl culture is rewarded in the workplace and on social media. Oh gosh. Um, that it's, we're all in the hamster wheel, getting the pellet. Right. So we're keep on chasing it. Um, that when you're rewarded for, you know, like ripping people's hearts out, slitting their throats and climbing over corpses to get to the top. Right. Why would you stop that behavior? If it's getting you what you want, which oftentimes in today's world, it does get you what you want. You, you wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. But how, how are you really 
when you get to the top, wherever that top right. is, you know, like the, so like, yeah, like when your head hits the pillow at night, yeah. how do you feel about how that? How do you really feel about it? Um, man. And that's hard. Cause I wonder oftentimes if I've been that person, um, not, I, I wouldn't say that I've been so vicious, like as to like what we were just, um, describing, but I remember early on in my career at William edge where, I mean, I was getting raises, promotions every three months, making more and more and more and more money. And I was growing at a rate that was like insane. Yeah. And, um, I didn't really care who else wasn't. Yeah. So I don't want to say that like I was being like intentionally a mean girl, but I looking back, I could probably see how people were intimidated because that has been the feedback that I've gotten, especially early on in my career. Um, is that so many girls were like, you're just intimidating because I guess I just like came out of the gates with like this boss lady, like don't get in my way because I got money to make right. and promotions to get. Hyper-focused, and yeah. I was like so hyper-focused and, um, lacked the empathy and concern for whatever was going on with everyone else. I didn't really give a shit. Yeah. Um, which I wish I could have done differently, yeah. honestly, but I mean, can't change it now, no, but it's all lessons. I hope for anyone who, um, was working with me back then that they know that I think about that and I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. If we're talking about work, I'm sure I've been labeled as the mean girl more than once. Just well, because you're the boss and you're boss. an asshole. Yeah, like, so, <laughs> sorry. Um, but that's something about being the boss. Like you, you have to be the mean girl sometimes. Well, and it's not about mean. It's, it's that my job is to make sure that you're successful and you make more money. So when your behaviors don't support that, I'm the one that's got to call you out on that. Yeah, and people don't like it. Well, I don't like it either when people call me yeah. out on that stuff. You know, so I understand the inclination to want to defend your process when you think that you're being called out on something. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's a big difference between I'll crawl over your corpse to get where I'm going versus I'm hyper-focused on my own situation and come along for the ride or get out of my way, you know, yeah. which I think for you and I, at least in a work sense, come along for the ride or get out of the way has been a big mantra for us. Like if you don't want to do this and you're not focused on being successful and badass and awesome, well then move on. And I do regret a lot of that, um, thought process, you know, like, yeah. because not everybody is at work to be insanely successful and climb to the right. top and do like some people are just in it as a means of income and that's okay too, you know, like yeah. that. Um, but I wasn't okay with that. Right? Yeah, I, I wasn't was either like, like what are you doing here? Like, just here for a paycheck? Like, yeah. get out, get out. <laughs> so yeah, like in retrospect, this is all about growing. Like, yeah, we're all doing better. For sure. What are we leaving out on mean girl culture? Um, that mean girls is one of my top 10 favorite <laughs> movies. And I think that Tina Fey is a genius and Super Amy Poehler playing, um, Rachel McAdams' mother is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous because they're like seven years apart. They're like sisters. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like, but um, I think that um, the reason why Mean Girls is so timeless is because we can all relate. Yeah. And there's so many great one-liners. I mean, I quote Mean Girls on the weekly. It's a classic. <laughs> like, um, but I do remember in 2004 when it came out, I was a senior in high school and, um, I think I went to go see it with Jackie maybe. And I remember afterwards saying something feels icky. Yeah. Like I feel bad mm -hmm. because I saw so much of myself in Regina George. And I don't think that I was, a mean girl. I mean, I went to a high school with over 4,000 kids. It was kind of impossible to be popular. Right. Um, so, you know, we all had our own, like I was a theater kid, you know, it's not like the theater kids were cool by any means, like Jesus, you know, like that, we weren't yeah. really all that cool. I didn't party. I didn't drink. I wasn't having sex, you know, like I definitely wasn't like that kind of mean girl, but I feel like senior year is when I really like started coming into my own and gaining confidence and that like everyone knew me by my nickname and I'd be going down the halls and you'd be like Jay Wick and you know like um that I kind of started gaining traction and so I I just I felt 
so much. Like I knew what it was like to be a Regina George and a Caddy Heron. Yeah. You know, Katie. Oh my God. I, I said it say, wrong yeah, because did. they say that in the movie. <laughs> Sorry. They're like Caddy. No, it's Katie. Katie. Um, <laughs> Katie Heron, um, Lindsay Lohan's character. But um, I just saw, and in Janice Ian, like there's just so many, you know, um, different dynamics and personalities that I saw myself in each and every single one of them. I know what it's like to be the goth weird girl. I know what it's like to be the quiet new girl Mm -hmm. because I went to Catholic school for eight years and then went into this huge public school. But I also knew what it was like to be kind of like this, gaining a little popularity, pretty girl. And, you know, like, um, that, yeah, I I remember telling Jackie back then that I was like, something feels icky because I saw myself and I don't know if I liked it. It's that mirror, man. Like it'll get you. Yeah. You know, what other movie is really on the same wavelength. That's so good. Talking about like young lady culture is clueless. Yes. Like they could be sister movies in a lot of ways, you know, um, but yeah, thank you, Tina Fey, for shining a light on a topic that really there hasn't been a lot of exposure. One of the funny things about that psychology today, or maybe it was the Newsweek article we were reading about Mean Girls, was that there was a male psychologist that was like, I would literally rather be stuck in a room with a group of serial killers than a group of teenage girls. Yeah. The the teenage girls are way more like cutthroat and evil, you know, and go for the jugular. And I just yeah. think that's so interesting that for somebody who studies minds yeah um and sees the worst in you know human nature that they can identify teenage girls as being like the yikes in that situation so i guess before we end i guess i want to like end on this really positive note besides the fact that tina fey is a genius um (laughs) so and i don't know if i have this figured out but just as curiosity um when we experience mean girls as adults from someone that you super, super love and, you know, you thought as a sister or whatever. Um, I mean, and it may be, you know, situational, there may not be a right answer, but how do you handle that? Yeah. What do you do? I mean, I'll tell you what I've done. Um, cause I've kind of dealt with this recently. Um, I'm creating space for myself to mm-hmm. process. Um, I need to process the hurt. And so I'm not saying I would, it's like done forever, you know? Um, but I think it's important to have boundaries, healthy boundaries, process the hurt. And I guess whenever you're ready to conquer that, you're ready. But I just don't know if there's a good or right way to do that. I mean, I think it also depends on the stability of the relationship before the mean girl behavior started, you know, like, cause I try and think about what if it was like one of my best friends, you know, like what if it was you and me? Oh my God. I don't want to think about that. Well, but if it was, we would never let it get to that place because we would, would hope we would get to the effective communication first, you know, like yeah. that our relationship is too important to let some, because oftentimes I think these situations are either assumptions that are untrue or misunderstandings or whatever the case is, right? You and I would never let assumptions or misunderstandings jeopardize our friendship. No, but because usually if one of us, and I think that you and I are really good at this, we're quick to realize when we're a little much. Right. And we're quick to like either call each other or text each other and be like, look, I went off on a rant and I'm sorry. (laughs) I had a crazy moment, this outer body experience where I was looking down like, Jessica, what were you saying? And you know, that like, we're really quick to like have that self-awareness to be like, I was a crazy person. I went off on this rant. I said something. I did something I didn't mean. I'm sorry. But I guess what I don't like is when people aren't willing to do that. Well, that's what I mean. If our relationship isn't important enough to both of us in order to not allow whatever it is to get in the middle of it, then maybe that ain't worth saving in the first place. And like I said, I think that this is a little bit where I feel like the energy and time that I invest in my friendships and my relationships is really valuable. And we have discussed many times that like having friends is draining sometimes, you know, like having relationships is work. 
if I have to work that hard to be in a relationship with you and you're not willing to put in the same amount of effort and we can't get by what's going on with the two of us in whatever situation that is, like you said, you're creating space and you don't know if that space is something that you'll ever want to come back to or not. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Um, where I'm just like, okay, I've seen enough. (laughs) I got my answer. Um, Maybe. Yeah. And it's okay too for like, and this has only happened just in the last couple of weeks. I have a really close friend of mine, like somebody who I, we were best friends growing up, like lived together, roommates, thick, thin, been with each other through so many things. And we grew up and kind of like created separate circles and just didn't, call or hang out or see each other, neither one of us really knows what happened. She kind of thought that maybe I thought something like, I don't know. We, we still haven't really there were assumptions. About it. There were assumptions made there. And so inside of those assumptions, we both have lives, you know, and went off on our awesome badass lives and just kind of reconnected again a few weeks ago. Um, and so that was a situation where I don't know, maybe we needed space for some reason. We created it for whatever reason. And it's been really easy to reconnect and talk again and be friends again, you know, and we're going to see each other and do. So I can say that the making space thinks, you know, like that sometimes your orbits pull you out of people's worlds and then they put you right back into it again. Space heals. Sometimes, you know, I mean, depending on the gravity of the situation, I'm sure like there are, there's abuse that happens that like, but that's something completely different. We're talking about like gossip, you know, like I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking like, or silly misunderstandings. Right. Yeah. Miscommunications, misunderstandings, gossip, that whole thing. But, um, you know, um, I, I'm just also the older I get, the more I'm in this space where I'm like, it is not my responsibility to make you feel the warm and fuzzies about what's going on. That until you can own what happened, and what was going on and what was said and blah, 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 that, um, I'm not really willing to pay you any attention. Well, ain't nobody got time for that. And I feel like that comes off as cold, but at this point I'm like, fine, it's I'm cold. It's chilly out here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like winter is coming. Winter's coming, no, bitches. I'm <laughs> and you better look up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, anyway, um, don't be a mean girl. And, and acknowledge when you're a mean and girl. And when you're the mean girl, check yourself yes. and figure out what's going on there so we can spread more love than than not. Yes, because at the Badass Ladies Club, we don't have room for mean girls. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, gossip or rumor mill kind of stuff. Like if you find yourself engaging in it, ask yourself why. What? And if you're engaging in it, does it Who feel hurt bad? Me? What hurt me? Right. Why am I doing this? Does it feel bad or does it feel good? You know, like either way, you got to evaluate like what the gossip thing is, yeah. uh, is all about. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's a positive. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ending on a high note. So, but Tina Fey, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. <laughs> uh, if you guys have feedback about mean girls or specifically what you do when encountered with a mean girl, we definitely want to hear about that. So get on the socials, give us the feedback, tell us that we're crazy bitches. Like, <laughs> tell us you love where we're going. We want to know. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Have a good night. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye.